Welcome back to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome back to our watch club for Star Wars, The Bad Batch Season 2. In my experience, respect is something to be earned. Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is CT0831, but you can call me Hugs. Uh, and I think we need some hugs after this episode. This is our Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 12, titled The Outpost. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series. Kind of like a book club, but it's actually like way better. Keep in mind, we will be going to full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so. And then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we get trapped inside an avalanche, let me introduce you to our experimental crew of ragtag troopers. Uh, first up, joining us yet again this week, I thought he was going to go MIA again. I thought we would lose him. I thought he was going to run away or die or something. But he's here. Uh, he's here to save more batches around the galaxy. He's taller than a Jawa, smaller than Jabba, but just as entertaining as Jar Jar. He's CT1231, also known as Edit. I gotta say, I'm, I'm doing just what this episode showed me, that you just gotta do what you need to do to survive, okay? So I'm not gonna <laughs> be surviving. on the episode, so I'm surviving, okay? Okay, <laughs> all right, okay, good to hear, good to hear. Uh, but listen, he's dropping in from the sky way up. Ha, ha, hi! We have the dopest, dankest dude on Dagobah, CT1006, but you can call him Joints. Ahoy, hoy! Ahoy! <laughs> Hoy, what, three, Justin, more t- three more times this season. I got to say that. That's it, Justin. We we discovered a hoy hoy. Two things while you were gone. We discovered a hoy hoy and Omegan, and it's like, how have we how lived without? I don't understand. I don't understand how we only just discovered Omegan. Like, right? I thought that was right? like the big thing. I thought that was it, the, it the and a hoy hoy. I've always been a fan of a hoy hoy. That's like the greatest yeah. way to drop out of the air super high. <laughs> Ahoy hoy, and in a very fashionable way. So yeah, I'm glad that it's becoming the norm it makes me hungry it makes me think of chips ahoy hoy uh but listen <laughs> rounding out our small battalion we are sir glard ter harv should i just do it for every word no a troop no it doesn't work a <laughs> troop the run and war hero <laughs> joining us and her name is ct0118 but you can call her brushstroke brushstroke omegan mags i have many names it all works and they all yeah. have an R in them somewhere. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, we're back to yet another dark episode, another Oof. crosshair episode, a great episode. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me if this is a hot take or not, but I think Crosshair might be my new favorite character of the show. I don't Honestly, know. Honestly, don't blame I'm, you. He's <laughs> Right? But he's had the most development. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I think in the other no thing, too, time. is that- well, he, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's it is true. It's this is our second episode. I think we were saying <laughs> like, off air of of Crosshair, but the reality is where we left him in season one. There's a lot to be explored there. I think where we left the the Bad Batch, <clears throat> they were together. They were a team. They were pretty solidified. And and seeing their stories and their adventures and how the combo of 
of the of of them mix and and the different personalities and seeing that that's a lot of fun in those adventure episodes but yeah i think crosshair is getting the most character development um because as we'll get into it i think there's a sense of remorse and mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. questioning what what was right and what was wrong uh, of of his decisions so yeah I, i'm i'm very much on the the crosshair train with you nate let's go chugga chugga choo choo <laughs> I think that we've we've gotten a lot of character development from the other Bad Batchers, but more so on like how they're dealing with Crosshair leaving and moving forward into this new version of the Empire, the world that they live in. But in such minimal time, literally the span of two episodes out of 12 so far, Crosshair has given us what how it's impacted him leaving and mm. departing. And coming to realizations that he never thought he would, which was so cool mm. to see in this episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's through Crosser's eyes that we're getting a lot of this exploration of what a clone means to the Empire going forward. And, and that alone, with the whole good soldiers follow orders thing, it, it shows them that they're not soldiers. They, they are just soldiers. They're not people at all. They are tools to be used and then thrown away when they're, they're shinier, newer tools coming out. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a really cool way to explore his character through this you know, turmoil of changing of the guard from the old clones to the new recruits and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, I love it. Very cool. Very cool. Well, listen, before we disappoint Lieutenant Nolan again, uh, let's get to this week's episode. Back at the Imperial base, we see Crosshair witnessing that the decommissioning of the clones is well in effect. Lieutenant Nolan approaches Crosshair and informs him that they'll be heading to an Imperial depot on Barton 4, as they have some high-value cargo stored there that has been targeted by local insurgents. Disgusted by even the sight of the other clones, Nolan remarks how he doesn't like working with, quote, used equipment so before we even continue here it's crazy to see just how quickly the imperial higher-ups have completely turned on the idea of clones themselves what did you think of lieutenant nolan and his disposition towards clones here i literally wrote Mm. down used equipment you have a stupid face (laughs) (laughs) he does have a stupid face it's like i don't like like his face yeah i don't like his face i don't like his attitude and these are the kind of lieutenants that we're getting and we see them in rebels as well that they're like all of this old school stuff is garbage and i'm better than you are and we obviously all know that you're not so (laughs) yeah it's like a shiny new iphone comes out and immediately they're like oh the old iphone yuck i don't yuck (laughs) can't even think about it gross um but like That's me, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's me, yeah, yeah. Don't even show me an old iPhone; I'll puke in my mouth. Uh, but you know, I think I think it's like you have to wonder if individuals like like Lieutenant Nolan have ever felt compassion for the clones, even if it was just for a short period of time working together during Order sixty six. Like seeing his behavior here, it just makes it so much more sad when you remember the relationship between the Jedi. And the clone army uh, and the majority of, uh, you know, I, I think everyone except for maybe Master Pong Krell uh, had some excellent <laughs> relationships with the clones. And, you know, he had his reasons, but but it's just to see how these clones are repaid for their service is so horrible. And it's just it's so sad. And, and, the, and I'm, I'm wondering if if there's something deep buried inside them that remembers those experiences they had with the Jedi, uh, as, you know, in contrast to their experiences 100%. with these. Yeah, no, those, those, the, I think the reality too is that that inhibitor chip just forced them to do it, right? I, mm-hmm. I don't think it's erased their memories and, and logged it. it. It has now 
clicked in their head that they are enemies, but I still think that there's there's a sense of um, connection to those past memories. But I think you guys are you're you're getting exactly what I was thinking as well, and that is, you know, to see the relationship that Lieutenant Nolan has with Crosshair and with the other clones. It's it's reminiscent of what was appreciative of and the respect that the Jedi had for the clones. Uh, you know, they were their brothers in arms. They were very much on the same level. And and here you see this this you know new empire that's being formed that looks down and is very snobbish. And you know we we've talked about it in an Andor, but we're starting. You know, you see the confidence, right? The confidence in this lieutenant that oh they've already won and they're on to bigger and better things. And you know the clones are just you know they're they're past past tools that we don't need anymore. It's it is enough to give pause for a moment for at least some of these clones to think about like, was this, was this for better? Like for us, like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, and I think that that's very much what we're seeing unfold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's nice to see an an Imperial officer who you hate for minute one and there is no redeeming qualities to him because in, in the past, you know, shows we've gotten these very compelling characters who are trying to find their place in this empire. Whereas this guy just, gets a bit of power handed to him and is going you know super Buck. arrogant and crazy and just the, yeah. you want to hate him immediately and so i just i like that introduction of how clearly defined this guy is in in the audience's eyes and that he is the bad guy of this episode absolutely yeah he's definitely a bad ugly man uh yeah, stupid. all right so <laughs> stupid face <laughs> yeah he kind of looks you know what maybe he become Snoke. Like, they use his genetic material. (laughs) Anyways, as they arrive at the depot, we see ice vultures flying ominously overhead. While inside, they discover a crew of droids hauling cargo with no clones in sight. That is, until Commander Mayday informs them that they expected them 36 rotations ago uh, and that the majority of the crew are now dead. Only Hex, Veach, and himself are left. Uh, which, great names, everyone. Great names for the clone naming, you know, schematics there. Uh, after a sick burn where he asks Lieutenant how many missions has he commanded, only to have him grimace in silence, uh, Crosshair and Mayday commiserate over their dislike of the situation the Empire has put them in. Mayday informs Crosshair that the majority of his crew were killed due to the lack of proper sensing equipment and additional lack of replacements. Uh, then Crosshair asks what's in the cargo that the clones gave their lives for, and Mayday says he's wondered that himself every day, saying apparently it's above a clone trooper's pay grade. So clearly this crew has been completely disregarded and ignored, even after multiple attempts to communicate their needs to the Empire. It got me wondering, how many more outposts do you think are like this, you know, just abandoned across the galaxy, right? Like it kind of fits into what you were even just saying there, Justin, regarding Andor. And it reminded me of Andor mm-hmm. of like, they're just getting lazy at this point. They're getting fast and loose with their gear. Yeah. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, could this have been <clears throat> under the jurisdiction of Rampart? And so maybe maybe they've been ignored because the Empire was taking their sweet time finding a replacement for who would eventually assign the depot to Lieutenant Nolan, right? Because he was... That, I'm, I'm, the, um, the Rampart situation, I don't necessarily think... Like, yes, they were kind of planning on it, but again, this 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 corporation if you will is so big <laughs> mm-hmm. uh this 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 horrible government is so massive they can't keep track of their own stuff and it's just like how many more of these are just sitting out there waiting to be pillaged well and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the emperor 
doesn't really care about all of those little bits and pieces and things that are scattered all over the place. It's really to cover up the thing he cares the most about, which is all of this cloning research. He is letting his lieutenants and his people do their thing and make themselves feel powerful to hide what he, at least I think, to hide what he truly cares about. Yeah, there's alternative motives, 100%. I also think it's mm-hmm. it's to show force, right? Like, that's very much why the Empire is going from planet to planet, kind of planting themselves there, is to show a sense of presence and a sense of force um, yep. across the galaxy. And I think that, you know, this is just another example of that. And, and to Meg's point, it doesn't really uh, highlight what else is going on, what else is going on behind the scenes, because, you know, the Emperor is more concerned about that. Because uh, there's other people in power that are going to be making those big moves. But, um, yeah, it's kind of weird, though, that it's, you know, I guess when we get there and we find out, we discover what it is. It's like, that's all mm-hmm. it is? <laughs> like, you know what I well, mean? So. Well, we'll talk about that. I think it has a little <laughs> more more power than that. But I, I also want to give a little shout out to the lighting in this episode. I know we oh. it feels like we talk about it every episode. But there's a, <laughs> yeah. there's a moment where you see seven other helmets sitting there lit by that one lamp and and mm-hmm. one of them has a blaster hole in the back of it and it's just like you know Star Wars when I think of Star Wars I think of visual storytelling and just how top notch it is that this show they're they're mastering that element and I think it's a key element for the lived in world of Star Wars uh and I just I absolutely love that they can sort of just give you even a little bit more story just by putting some helmets you know, near a light. Like, it's just, it's awesome. It's so well done with, the, with yeah. these, these storytellers. That's one of the things I've always loved about clone trooper helmets and stormtrooper helmets is the fact that because they are so white and pristine, you can tell such stories with the way that you weather them and, and build up all the grime and the holes and the and stuff you're saying. So, I mean, I've got a tattoo of a stormtrooper helmet, you know, being overgrown on my legs. So I, I love the, the visual imagery of fallen soldiers represented by these helmets that have like tell such stories through just one or two scenes in, a, in, a, in an episode. So yeah, kudos to the art team for, again, managing to, to cram all the story into just a one-shot thing mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and megan you uh you shouted out d bradley baker's work as the voice of the ice vultures yeah uh, in this episode <laughs> he's I you know love, he's known honestly, for doing animals yeah i love a voice actor that is given the credit they deserve for doing creatures and characters like um now i can't remember his name off the top of my head but he's no, in I know who every you're single about. disney movie and I don't think people give him Alan enough Tudyk. credit. Alan Tudyk. Thank you, Darcy. Alan Tudyk. People don't give him enough credit for making sounds. He makes sounds, but he gives characters a, a feeling and a, a voice and a personality just by making these super crazy weird sounds. So go D. Bradley Baker. Not only do you voice like 8,000 clones, but you also are doing these creatures. So cool. I was trying to figure out if it was like another version of Ahsoka's owl friend, but... Same here. <laughs> That's Same what I was here. hoping Filoni for. Likes, Filoni Lakes was wide shots with a, a bird circling in the sky. It really, it really sets the tone it's very primitive, for the yeah. experience. Yeah. yeah, It's very spiritual too. He, you know, given the totally. fact that he uses... Uh, the um, the wolves in uh, rebels. Um, oh, the loath 
Loathwolf. Loath wolves, mm-hmm. yeah, they, and the sort of the spiritual connotation that they have, and and I think very much yeah. the the symbol of the vulture here is assumed that, like I said, in at, when we were at the top here, it's like it is about surviving. You have to mm-hmm. do what you have to do to survive, and and that's where the clones are currently in their state of existence with this new empire is is they have to do what they have to do to stay alive. And, and those ice vultures consistently reminding them that, you know, not only are they on their way out, but they might be on their deathbed at this point. Um, we've seen how the Empire has dealt with, you know, in the past, like, oh, we, we, you know, they know our secrets, so we can't possibly let them continue on. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's, there's, there, you know, obviously Senator Chuchi is doing her damnedest to try and get them the rights they deserve. But I'm sure if the Empire had it their way, they would just, you know, really decommission them, if you know what I mean. But um, let's keep going here as they stand there both fearing and admiring the tenacity of the ice vultures, an alarm goes off and Mayday uh, and Crosshair quickly spring into action. They head into the base to fight off the insurgents. While aiming at a runaway insurgent, uh, a ship explodes while Crosshair is, is looking at the uh, the ship through uh, like a heat vision kind of thing. Uh, and the explosion of the ship temporarily blinds him. He continues to pursue the runaway uh, and tracks down a, a path of blood in the snow, leading both him and Mayday to an ice cave that they determined was used to sneak past the depot's defenses. As they mourn the loss of Hex and Veach after the attack, Lieutenant Nolan barges in and demands the two remaining clones take further action against the insurgents and that they recover the stolen cargo. While traversing the cavern, Crosshair accidentally steps on a pressure mine, and as Mayday is calmly working to stop the mine from exploding, he opens up to Crosshair asking him what unit he was with. He tells him he was with Clone Force 99, but says now they're gone. After they exit the cavern, they discover multiple contacts at the raider base. They stealthily take out the guards and proceed to take out the rest of the the raiders with uh, pretty much mostly ease. Uh, And then they see that the cargo that is spilled out of one of the containers uh, is revealed that this entire time they've been protecting the gear that they could have been using. Gear that was meant for their replacements. Gear that was meant for stormtroopers. As Mayday's words of dissent against the Empire slowly creep into Crosshair's mind, a massive avalanche approaches them from above. Mayday is pinned against a rock while Crosshair uh, is buried alive. Crosshair discovers Mayday in the snow, digs him up, and carries his brother through a blizzard all the way back to the depot. So, you know, Justin, you mentioned right at the top character development. This is such an incredible change of heart for crosshair um i love the call out of you know no point in carrying dead weight uh that they discover mm-hmm. that body in the mm-hmm. cavern and that's literally what crosshair he's 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 saying it but he's not believing it in this moment and he's walking through snow up to his chest looking like barry ontario uh <laughs> and, you know and it's just like he's just covered in it um i have to ask all of us and i, I kind of want to dive into this it, it, there is hope for crosshair at this point i think yeah Yes. Oh my 100%. god! Yeah. yeah, I, I think the one line that kind of sold it for me was when uh, Mayday asked him, "Where are they now?" And instead of saying they betray me or they're dead or anything like that, they're just gone. He is clearly regretting his decision to leave them when he had the chance to go join them again. And and again, that just speaks volumes to where he's at right now with everything he's experiencing as a soldier in the Empire. So, well, and I think too, uh, this has to be one of my favorite character development scenes in this series so far is that moment in the cave 
when Mayday is very slowly and patiently keeping that bomb from being set off and just like having a chat with Crosshair like a, a teammate does, like a brother does. The way that these clones have always been throughout the Clone Wars series is we're brothers. It doesn't matter what we've been through or, or who we know or whatever, we're brothers. And I think this is reminding Crosshair of that. He hasn't had that in his head since um, uh, Order 66 went off. And it's it's finally coming back to him and he's realizing he misses his brothers and he, he yeah, hasn't exactly. spoken about Clone Force 99 to anybody and he hasn't mentioned these guys in a long time. So I think that's another reason why in that moment he says, why would you carry dead weight? But then when he sees his fallen brother, he is reminded of why you carry on and why you support each other. I also think he, he has respect for Mayday. Like you're saying, the similarities between Mayday and his brothers, the, the, the ones that were next to him, that, that were his clones that he would fight with. And I think you're right. It is very reminiscent for him. He's, he's reminded of that relationship that he had uh, with his brothers. And, you know, the fact that he would make the comment, why, why carry the dead weight? And that's inevitably what he ends up doing. It's, it's very poetic and, and, it, and, and in, a, in a really intelligent way to kind of show Crosshair's growth and his development, you know, to see that and eventually where we get at the end. And it's just, you know, again, all of it is serves as this this sort of caveat that Crosshair is conflicted. He is going through a sort of a, a bit of a mental break here and understanding was the decision that he made the right decision and was it the decision that was going to be the best for him? And I don't think you know, he has, he's getting that, he's getting those senses of remorse and regret from that, that. So, yeah, I think this is probably one of the best examples of, of a character developed episode that's just so well focused on, on, on moving the character forward in, in such a, it's such a, such a poetic way, I think. I think this one scene, again, just drives home the fact that Crosshair is starting to see himself as not part of the Empire. Because mm -hmm. the Empire, as we've seen in this episode, would just leave them behind and they're on their own type thing. But he's he wouldn't bring himself to do that. So even on a fundamental level, he is different from the Empire. And I think that speaks volumes to where his, his story might go. And I, I again I'm on the I'm on the Crosshair team now too, where the first season we all hated him, but this season alone has done enough with two episodes to be like, he is part of the bad batch. He needs to get back to his brothers. He's always been so compelling, but now mm -hmm. we get to experience, you know, that side of him that I think was so great in Clone Wars and, and was was that that connection. And speaking of that brotherhood connection, like seeing them fight together and you know, this is sort of the the you know, we saw this with with, uh, with Rex and we've seen the Bad Batch fight alongside other clones before and and there there's something um i think that really stems down to, back to the idea of brotherhood that they are yeah. so connected it's like how siblings have the same thoughts oftentimes mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. the way that they can kind of work together and it's so cool to sort of see that you know even though they are the bad batch they are a a spin-off or, or a, you know a, a subsection of the dna they still have that inherent connection and you see it in the way they fight you see it in the way they mm -hmm. they're you know you, you see mayday get stuck at one point and then boom 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 three shots and then he's free um from crosshair and it's just so so well done um i also wanted to talk about the the stuff that was in the cargo the the stormtrooper um gear you know i think th that's a big 
you know, sort of moment for Crosshair in his mind um, where he's thinking, you know, these troopers all gave their lives. You know, not just Veach and, and, and uh, what was his name? Veach Hex. And, and Hex, but, but you know, all of his uh, his brothers in that moment gave their lives for gear, for helmets. And I think, I think the insignificance of that stuff, as a fan, you're kind of like, oh, I wish it was, yeah, you're like... Like I wish it was maybe like Grogu or another like uh, Zillow Beast or whatever, right? Like <laughs> you would pop out of there or something. I get it. It's very symbolic. You know, they're defending cargo that is inevitably going to replace them. I don't even really think that the cargo was necessarily needed. Again, it is the nail in the coffin for the clones for them to understand the fact that they're guarding that. I get it. I want to touch one more time on the animation and the lighting again. I can't like we can't stop. It's crazy in in that cave scene. First of all, leading up to the cave scene, the blood in the snow was mm -hmm. like chilling. Mm -hmm. I I'm sure they've shown blood in these shows before, but it never had that kind of impact. If they have, Mm -hmm. it's like gory a little bit, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) beautiful. And when um when Mayday is carefully putting that uh, that bomb to rest, the way he like blows the snow off of it oh, yeah. and it oh, continues wow. to glimmer in the light the way snow does when it's light and fluffy, like kudos to the animation and the lighting mm-hmm. technicians on this show. They're doing a fantastic job. Not only that, but Mayday's first thing that he does when he sees that Crosshair has stepped on a on a mine is to put his head right next to it. <laughs> I'm just like, listen, I know he says he's smart and, and whatever, but like he's literally putting his face next to a bomb for his brother. And I just think that's so fantastic and immediately speaks to his character. Every time they bring in like a, a like a, a new offshoot clone, and then obviously we know kind of what happens to him, but like it's just it's crazy how every single time I'm like, I really like this guy. I hope he sticks around forever. And then <laughs> Dave Filoni just yeah. says no. <laughs> No. Um, yeah, I think I think this episode had some of the best cinematics. Mm. Um, everything just felt very movie-esque. You know, there's that part where after Crosshair sees the blood in the snow and he, he, he tracks it and then he falls into the, the sort of the, the caves and as he drops, you know, his gun whips up and, and it's just the way the angles of of the the gun towards towards the cameras he whips around and as he starts kind of you know maneuvering through the caves and just using the like you guys were saying like the the use of the shadows with the light to kind of highlight it's it's all elevated it it feels so so much more um you know again i get using a buzzword cinematic in that it, it just feels like it it has a good strong relationship with with the the live action canon you know it feels like it's inspired and it can live in that same sort of space if you will and nate i know i'm sure you're going to talk about it later but the music again we have also been talking about continuously through this this show and in that moment leading up to them taking over this sort of base the music as they stealthily like attack the two guards was oh, so good so cool like the impact yeah. that the music makes in this show the first time the vulture sort of circles in the sky feels really impactful you know it's yeah that crosshair like boom is is really ef- effective yeah kevin kiner uh has like sort of created a unique score or sound for these crosshair episodes that 
has a sense of uncertainty, has a sense of tension. Uh, and, and it's very like sci-fi Blade Runner-esque, you know, something that we've, we've kind of gotten from uh, Andor even. We've seen a little bit more, but there's such a, an ominous sort of tone to it versus, you know, when we see the Bad Batch uh, it's together heroic. and, and sort of, it's yeah. heroic and it's yeah, confident and it's it's yeah it's it's very confident in 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 knowing what it is so i like that tonally you know the music is different from from you know the batch episodes to to the crosshair episodes and rightfully so because you're dealing with different characters and especially with crosshair as we've been talking there's there's a sense of uncertainty and and you know uh, tension that he feels with the decisions that he's made and I think the music is just is just echoing that so well echo uh, all right let's keep going here uh, once once they arrive echo, Lieutenant echo. Nolan scorns them uh, as Crosshair gasps saying that Mayday needs a medic Nolan denies Crosshair's pleas saying it would be a waste of the Empire's resources uh, and that he's expendable Mayday dies immediately after, and Nolan tells Crosshair to leave him and get back to work while he's still useful. Crosshair calls for the lieutenant, and as he turns around, we hear a shot fire, and Nolan falls to the ground to reveal Crosshair holding the blaster. He then falls to his knees and then blacks out completely. What an incredible moment here. What did you think of of what I would call, I think, for me at least, the highlight of this episode and this badass display of mutiny on Crosshair's part? Well, it's like we've all been talking about the the realization that Crosshair is coming to throughout this episode of of not being a part of the Empire and not having anybody that really cares about the work that he's putting in and the the lack of impact that this this, um, I guess, mantra he's been saying to himself, good soldiers follow orders. No one really cares that you're a good soldier, Crosshair. And he's mm -hmm. finally realizing that. And it's so cool to see that arc coming to, a, coming to fruition that he's like, no, this person matters. This, this brother of mine matters and someone needs to save him. And it's, it's almost like he's, talking about himself and his bad batch brothers and there's there's so much more underlying that that statement and so many layers to him in this i thought it was really really awesome again talking about how he's not part of the empire anymore this is the most definitive way to show that and i think it's even cooler too talking about the good soldiers follow orders because when the stormtroopers reaction to first them showing up and then when their lieutenant is eventually killed, they, they weren't questioning helping these guys at all. They're like, oh, we're not supposed to. They're clones, whatever. And that shows how this new generation of soldiers is almost even more ignorant in that they will follow any order and not question anything. So, again, just driving home that fact even further, how the good soldiers follow orders became, the, became almost Crosshair's downfall mm -hmm. because these new soldiers follow orders even better or even more so without asking questions because first thing he does when he shows up on this base is ask what's in the, the box, whereas these troopers who we don't even hear talk really in this episode are just mindlessly following these orders with, without anything. So yeah. again, really, really cool moment to show how far he's come uh, in the time that he's been apart from the batch. Yeah. Like I think this moment more than anything was, you know, this moment of mutiny was, is kind of the, the moment that I was like, okay, there is hope for crosshair, you know, throughout the episode, they were really flirting with that and, and very much, you know, uh, hinting at, you know, 
him kind of questioning all of this, right? But not outright. Like, I think he still believed that, you know, that mission is a mission, as he said, right? Like, it is it is what it is. But he's starting to see, obviously, with his own eyes that nobody really cares. Like you said, Darcy, that, you know, nobody really cares that if you're a good soldier that follows orders or, you know, that that you're you 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 are that person. There's there's new there's new toys. There's new there's new people that are going to follow those orders. So, yeah, I think that this was the moment for me that I was like, yeah, like, here we go. This is this is crosshair committing to the idea that what he's the way he went was not the right way so you know i I think it was great to actually it was satisfying it was the satisfying part of the Mm -hmm. episode because as you're going through and you you see him kind of questioning and you're like is he is he gonna is he gonna resist here it is this moment so and what a wonderful realization for him in the sense that we've already had um a similar realization for echo uh, in this season of him deciding, you know what, there are there are so many other clones out there that I can be saving, so many more other bro- other brothers that I can be saving, uh, and it's I, I'm I'm really intrigued if we ever get to see, you know, Crosshair and Echo together again and have them sort of share this same sensibility of like we need to try and you know help our brothers instead of just letting them die like the empire would this was incredible the the shot you know again you, you brought it up earlier justin the, the the cinematography the shot on the ground of the ice vulture flying overhead the shadow that's on the ground like the drum beat hits so cool. in that exact moment and it like I physically felt it in my chest. Like I was like, oh, like it's so, and that's that's the exact moment that you're like, he's gonna freaking shoot this guy. Um, <laughs> I also wanted to call out, you notice Mayday um, is using Crosshair's gun as a crutch to help him stand. And it's just like, that's like, that is, that's the most important part of Crosshair. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's Crosshair. And mm-hmm. he's saying, that's, his power. that's him, that's his power. And he's giving it to this, this brother um that he's only known for like a day and it's just again it just speaks so much to the idea of visual storytelling they're not outright saying you know having him go you're my brother take my you know he, he's just mm-hmm. no we just see them walking in he's got the cr- he's got the gun as a crutch and it's just phenomenal absolutely incredible um let's keep going here let's keep going here ct9904 wakes up in a lab and he's being held for quote observation I don't know what accent that was. I was I was going to try to do the <laughs> New Zealand. Um, <clears throat> uh, he's told once he's healed that the doctor will come for him. As his vision goes blurry, we hear his breath one final time, and the episode ends. So, bringing back the old prediction segment, what's going to happen, Batch? Uh, obviously, he's at that cloning facility on Mount Tantus, uh, and that's Emery. Um, but what do you think they want with Crosshair? What's going to happen, Batches? Well, I think they clearly are interested in Crosshair because of the fact that he is one of these augmented clones that has uh, survived this long and adapted to the you know genetic splicing or whatever tampering they did when he was you know in embryo or whatever it was. But I think that's the biggest thing is the fact that he is a almost like a success a story in that whatever they did with him worked. So how can they adapt that to future cloning techniques and, and technologies and stuff like that? Yeah. We were talking last week about Omega being special. I think the whole bad batch is special. I think, mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I think the, the, the empire is slowly 
seeing them and and uh, recognizing that you know I think that they're trying to maybe sort of determine what goes into the degradation of an inhibitor chip. Um, I know Crosshair's removed his inhibitor chip, but but I think like I'm wondering if they believe that there's more than that with the Bad Batch, and I'm wondering if the Stormtrooper program isn't working as planned. And so they want to study someone like like Crosshair, someone who's you know his skills are so beyond their best troopers. Um, and I'm just you know I think that would make a lot of sense that they would want to sort of figure out well what goes into what are his fifty herbs and spices that we can then <laughs> implement into our our future soldiers or our our future Palpatines or maybe our Sith army uh, like I was predicting uh, you know a few episodes ago um, and yeah it's just crazy to see they fall they're right back into cloning um, and it's on their terms but uh, they, they've got their own best scientists and and doctors um, and just one last thing I really want to quickly point out with Emery's head i noticed it this time in this episode i didn't notice in the last one and i know that they're part of her glasses or whatever but it kind of it kind of looks like tech it kind of looks like uh, or not tech it looks like um echo's um echo. back head thing could could she be a lady echo could it could we be I seeing don't... a gender swap echo i'm just saying is it possible i would be on i'd be on board for that but the thing that makes me think that it is just an accessory is the fact that her hair Go, starts atop of it and passes oh, okay. through and continues out to the ponytail. That's the only thing is that like, why would you design the hair to look like it's going underneath if it was a part of her body? That's so. fair. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. All right. You got me on that one, Darcy. <laughs> I, I'm wondering if, you know, more information has been shared and crosshair is going to be used as a means to draw out uh, the Bad Batch oh, uh, because they have Omega. So I'm sure... I'm sure that Lama Su has probably informed Hemlock that, you know, uh, the girl that you seek is is with, you know, a special clone force, right? And 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 is aware of that. So I'm thinking that, that that's the that's the upper hand advantage that he's going to uh serve for 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 the remainder of the episodes. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, I have no prediction. I I agree with you. <laughs> that's that was <laughs> enlightening because like they're 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 definitely they're definitely important i don't want to take away from that but i think that as we've seen the clones don't matter they serve their purpose but omega as we were talking about last week is super important right and i think she's her her dna is going to hold something that's more valuable than all of the bad batch and i think we got that from the first season we understood that like the bad batch are very much similar but different from the existing clones but Omega is very special, and I think we're going to just see that kind of that's the importance here. Um, so to have one of the of the Bad Batch in custody, that helps their case to try to draw out the remaining uh, Bad Batch to hopefully get Omega. Well, listen, Batches listening, you got not only a What's Gonna Happen Batch prediction segment, but I'm giving you a Batch fact as well. Batch hey. fact oh. coming back here. Hemlock is actually uh, known as Conium maculatum, <laughs> which is a poisonous uh, wildflower. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, Hemlock, is he, is he poisoning things? <laughs> there you go. That's my batch fact. That's, a, that's, a stretch, that's the biggest stretch I've ever heard of these batch facts. Like that you're just, 
You're pulling that out of your... Yeah, come on. Listen, I think it's very interesting, okay? <laughs> Write in if you think it's interesting. Uh, but let's get to our overall thoughts and final score for this episode, uh, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five replaced clones. Uh, and Megan, we'll start with yourself. So... I, I had been, at the beginning of this episode, we were talking off air, where's Crosshair? Like, I realized we had only seen him in one episode, and lo and behold, he's back. Um, super stoked to see his character development. I will say, this felt a little slow from the beginning. Um, thank goodness for Crosshair and the development he made in this episode, because otherwise I think it wouldn't have made the impact on me that it did. Um, so my score went from a low one to start, and as the story moved forward, the pacing started working a little bit better, and, um, the brotherhood that popped up between Crosshair and Mayday really made that impact that we were looking for, and I appreciate that he's finally come to the realization that Good soldiers are just not needed by the Empire anymore. They just need soldiers who will do the work without question. And all clones really mean nothing to them anymore. So I'm excited to see where Crosshair goes from here. Hopefully he can escape this lab that he's been taken to. Um, I'm interested to see how the Bad Batch will react to this news. Justin, I totally agree with your statement in saying that he's probably bait to get the Bad Batch to Mount Tantus so that Nalase will succumb because she is worried about Omega. And maybe his um, mind is poisoned. <laughs> no, do- stop. Okay, stop. Sorry. Megan, keep going. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, all in all, I'm just excited for where the story is going. Not a single episode has truly disappointed me. So um, the score has shot up to a 4.5 out of 5 replaced clones. Justin, how about yourself? Um, Yeah, I think that this episode is exactly what I like from this sort of the storytelling that we've gotten from the series. And that is, you know, a balance of, of character driven episodes. I, I think that in every episode that we've, we've gotten, there's just something that helps to move these characters along a, a little bit. There's some that are just simple adventures, but you know, again, this one being focused on crosshair, a character who's in, you know, who's a tragic character, who's in a sense of turmoil and lost. Um, it's great to see the, his evolution. And like you were saying, Meg, like to see that he is now, realizing that you know yeah you can be a good soldier that follows orders but it doesn't really matter like no one cares you're not you're not valuable you're not seen as valuable you're you're expendable um you know there's there's such a uh, as i i'll say it again there's such a great level of of poetry throughout this this episode that you know very much tells tells the story of someone who is finding their way is 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 learning to survive to do what they need to do to survive um and that is centered around crosshair and the supporting characters kind of like like mayday 
uh, instigating a little bit more of a, an emotional reaction, as we were mentioning, just as how reminiscent he must have felt in those moments with Mayday, of, uh, reminded of, of him and his brothers and the sort of relationship, the cooperative relationship that they have. And, you know, even the, the pacing I thought was interesting. I, I like the sort of slow build because then it really does, uh, does hit when the action sets in, you know, when the music hits and then, you know, they're, they're infiltrating and, and whatnot. I, I thought it was just a nice sort of, um, uh, pacing to get us there and it felt exciting up to that point and then obviously we have everything else and then it really did they really dragged out that ending where he's walking with mayday you know and it and just to really like i i honestly like after all the visuals we got it was like okay we, it's almost too much but really the solitude like the just the fact that he's on the strip no one's helping them that it, it just again it's just highlighting they are not important and i think you know coming to that ending of of you know, um, of mutiny, as you described it, Nate, is just, again, it just helps to to say what's next for this character. I'm excited to see what's going to happen for Crosshair in remaining episodes. He's obviously in some tight shit now, though, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens next. Um, but yeah, I love these character-driven episodes. I think they're just as important as the story episodes. Um, and, and, and I don't think everything needs to be so story-driven. Like, I appreciated last week's episode because finally we got something that was just for a bigger story that we know that this is all a part of. And that's, that's, that's great. That's, that's nice to have, but I don't know if every episode needs to have it. I love that we can just ignore that for a second and maybe just do something that's very character driven or just do something that's an adventure. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's about kind of each episode finding its own uh, purpose throughout the series. And this one definitely hits. So yeah, 4.5 out of five replace clones for me. Alrighty. Darcy. Well, I love this episode probably as much as the last one. Again, I feels like this season I'm a lot maybe lighter on the Bad Batch or what. Maybe it was the absence made me grow fond. Or maybe of it's it. just I better, know, Darcy. Maybe it's just <laughs> better I think all it, around. It definitely is better. Yeah, this, for sure. Yeah, this the cinematography in this this episode, the character growth, yes. the lighting, everything about it was just this top notch Star Wars animation, and it's the stories that I want from it. And again, going forward, I I like. Before at the beginning of the season, I wasn't on Crosshair's side. And with two episodes, I've made that full swing, and I'm rooting for him to get out of the predicament he finds himself at the end of this episode. So it's just so well written in, in terms of showing where he is now and, and what's to come for him potentially. So I, I love it for that. I love it for the look. I love it for the soundtrack. Everything is great. It was five out of five for Place Clones for me because give me more of this, please. There we go. Yeah, dude, I absolutely love this episode. I think honestly, I think the Crosshair episodes are. Like some of the best nuanced mm -hmm. Star Wars animation that we've ever gotten. Uh, I think that, you know, the way the episode was shot, as we talked about, the cinematography used to further the narrative and add so much to those incredible, incredible, you know, powerful moments as we see Crosshair understanding that, you know, the life he's chosen over his own family is starting to unravel around him and he gets that reminder with his brother. I think this is the closest I've seen Crosshair physically get to someone and he's doing it out, out of necessity for survival but he's also doing it to you know make sure that his brother survives it's, it's not just his own survival in this moment like that that one shot of them huddling up together in the middle of that storm is just like you feel so much for them and there's not a word said i love it absolutely an incredible performance from d bradley baker not just as the ice uh vultures but <laughs> but as uh as crosshair in this episode, he's so incredibly talented that he can, 
you know, we can hear this character talk and he's literally talking to himself, but they are such different characters. They're so, um, you know, and the, the facial animations, I think kudos to the animation team uh, for these facial animations and just seeing, seeing, seeing a character think. Again, it's one of those really difficult things, I think, for actors, but I can only imagine for an animator to get up, get the, the idea across, especially with a, a character that's, you know, this isn't, this isn't the most realistic live you know, sort of animation. This isn't Avatar, right? This is this is you know these sort of more cartoonish characters, and so to be able to see them think is phenomenal. Uh, Kevin Kiner with the Blade Runner music, killing it, dude. I just want I want him to do more Star Wars music. Get him on the 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 live action series if you want. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I love everything Ludwig's doing, but but like let's let's mix it up a little bit. Um, I think Andor proved that. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's episodes like this one and three that make me wish that we did get more crosshair episodes so far in this season and i'm you know we're where are we at where we've got two more like or three four four more left is it we have four more left um so hopefully we get at least maybe one more <laughs> crosshair episode i think we might um but i just think that this episode did a great job of balancing that character growth as well as pushing that narrative that sort of ties in at the little stinger at the end so you, you know what Five out of five replaced clones. I don't care. I'm going crazy. We're going crazy with our five out of fives. We're just Star Wars stands, and we don't care who knows. You get a five. Um, you get, you a, get five. a five. You, you get, get a five. You get a five. I'm giving this five out of five replaced clones, and I hope that Crosshair takes out every single last one of their replacements. This was fantastic. All right. Well, this is that is this is it, and that is it uh, for this week's Watch Club for Star Wars: The Bad Batch season two. We hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts if you haven't already and if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in watch club well listen you don't have to carry your clone brother out of an avalanche into a blizzard only to have your boss yell at you and your brother die anyways causing all your thoughts and ideas on what you believed about your company you know to completely unravel in your mind only to then pass out wake up on an operating table instead justin can you let the big beautiful batches know where they can reach us by hollow message let me just say, if you have that much baggage, please don't email us to talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com or on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Not that I don't I mean, I... care. We're not therapists, but I, <laughs> it's just... <laughs> if we, you know what? It would be a really interesting Watch interview. this show. This, this will do better therapy for you than, than we would ever do for you. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, listen, we've got uh, a wonderful interview out with D. Bradley Baker, the Bad Batch themselves, and Crosshair. I guess he's. We'll, we'll continue to keep him part of the Bad Batch. He's getting his way back to the oh, Bad yeah. Batch. Um, but yeah, I sat down with D. Bradley Baker, and uh, Justin sat down with the series writer Jennifer Corbett and supervising director Brad Rao. It's up on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash Geekcentric. Go check it out. Go check out all the great stuff we have on there. But listen, Justin, Darcy, Megan. Thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say, good, good soldiers, soldiers, follow orders. orders.